We'd like to welcome you back to part two of our current event and weekly Bible study for January 4th, 2015. Next report is entitled Fox Network Blasphemes Jesus Christ in Family Guy episode, entitled The 2,000-Year-Old Virgin. The Family Guy cartoon continued its blasphemy of the Christian faith with its Christmas episode, The 2,000-Year-Old Virgin, in the continuing trend of Hollywood blaspheming the Christian faith, Fox Network's animated cartoon, Family Guy, one of, which is one of the most vile, perverted television shows in history, aired an episode depicting uh, Jesus as a modern man who needs assistance finding a woman for fornication. Christianity re- continues to be the target for mockery of the pop culture. According to the reports, this, this show entitled, and here's a picture of, of this stinking uh, devil with his arm around the, the Sananda Emmanuel long-haired Jesus that we always see in the pictures, and they're at a bar together. And, yeah, they've got their beers, and, and they're 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 uh, gonna you know help him out here. I mean, it, this is so blasphemous. I don't even like to talk about it, but I feel like I, I really need to get into this because they they just keep pushing the envelope. I mean, talk about no fear of God when they're burning in the lake of fire for eternity. They're not going to really be so bold. They're, they're, they're going to be really regretting all of this ungodly, evil behavior. They're going to be really wanting to go back and take back every word. They're, they're, but it, it'll be too late. It'll be too late. The 2,000-year-old virgin surrounds character Peter Griffin, among others, trying to help Christ lose his virginity according to Christian Today. At one point during the episode, Jesus has a specific request for Peter regarding his wife Lois, telling him he wants to lose his virginity to his wife. So, in other words, this this disgusting um, um, Sananda Emmanuel version of Jesus they're portraying, not the Jesus of the Bible, wants to lose his supposed virginity to the, the main guy on Family Guy's wife. So, in other words, he wants to not only commit fornication, but have his wife commit adultery at the same time. Um, so, a request that the husband agrees to. He agrees, the husband agrees to it, in exchange for a massage chair. So, in other words, that's that's how much he he would value you know, his wife staying pure. He could care less as long as he gets a massage chair. In the end, though, both Peter and Lois change their minds and decide against the plan after it's revealed that Jesus tricks husbands every year into allowing him to sleep with their wives. I mean, may the Lord Jesus Christ rain down his fury on these devils, these fork-tongued devils from the pits of hell. Anyway, the FCC has categorized Family Guy as appropriate for 14-year-old children. Um, I put a Bible verse in here. Whom hast thou reproached and blasphemed? And against whom hast thou exalted thy voice and lifted up thine eyes on high, even against the Holy One of Israel? Yeah, see, what you're going to have to contend with, family guy writers, and these people that think this is funny and and are going along with this stuff, you're going to have to contend against the God of the universe in the end. And you're not going to like what you're going to have to contend with. Because you're going to be powerless, helpless, and hopeless against him. 
I pray if it be possible, their souls be saved. But again, these people are, I really believe the vast majority of them are, have been turned over to a reprobate mind, have had their conscience seared with a hot iron, and most likely are, are beyond hope. They've crossed the line. You know, there are times in the Bible where God says, don't pray for this people. Because I will not hear your prayer. I won't hear it. You know, and, um, and primarily in Ezekiel. In three different chapters. Ezekiel 7, 11, and 14, I believe. You get that concept in the Bible where it says, don't pray for them. Because I will not hear your prayer. In this case, it was Israel. <laughs> because they were literally baking cakes to the Queen of Heaven, like Isis, Semiramis, and they were liter- literally thinking that they were commissioned to do this by God, almost. They were sacrificing their own children to Molech, and God just says, don't, don't even bother. Now, I'm not saying, you know, these people or whatever, that's really up to God to decide, but in that particular case, there was a time when God said that. Um, these are some really wicked, evil devils that would dare to do such a thing as this. Creator Seth McFarlane. So, Seth McFarlane. Have Seth McFarlane in your prayers. Okay? Who is a staunch atheist. Regularly uses his hit animated shows to attack Christianity. This is an interview with him. Do I have that much contempt for Christianity? I guess maybe I do, McFarlane said. The Big Bang has got a lot of support. Live with it. The Big Bang Theory. Yeah, I tell you. It's just so scientific. So scientific, you know. A rock exploding billions of years ago. Creating planets. Perfect ecosystem forms. Nothing's on it, but then... Out of the primordial sludge that was on this one rock, lightning hit and energized a couple amoeba and (laughs) took them a million, billion years to kind of develop into fish and then they eventually developed into something that could slither onto dry ground and then they developed into a parakeet and then they developed into a dung beetle and then the dung beetle eventually developed into a gorilla and the gorilla eventually developed into Piltdown Man and then Piltdown Man into Hog Man or whatever they are. And then that eventually evolved into us. You know something else I thought about the other day? Think about this, too. With the whole thing with evolution, do you realize that in order for evolution to work, that at the exact same time this evolutionary process was supposedly happening by random chance, okay? The exact same time, I mean perfectly, in the exact same time frame, you had to have two separate genders evolving that could procreate with each other at the same time. You had a male and female. Because if it was just one random chance and it was a male, well, he's not going to procreate with himself. He can't bring forth himself. No, no, you had to have two. Or at some point in that process, you had to have two, male and female, to procreate. Just so happened, you know, Darwinism, Big Bang Theory, that that just kind of happened by chance. It It is the most asinine thing when you really start thinking about it in the world. And it takes far, far greater faith to believe that garbage than it ever would that God created the world in seven days. The seven day rested, but, you know, in the universe. Far greater. But, again, 
You know, an atheist will do whatever he's got to do in order to justify in his own mind that there's no God. And then he goes on to say, I do not believe in God. I'm an atheist. He stated in a separate interview, I consider myself a critical thinker. Oh, Seth, you really are. You're a critical thinker. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. That's what I think about when I think of somebody like Seth MacFarlane. Uh, Romans 1. And it fascinates me, in the 21st century, most people still believe in, as George Carlin puts it, quote, the invisible man living in the sky, end of quote, by Seth MacFarlane. Well, what I have to say to you, Seth, is Psalm 14, verse 1. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. There is none that doeth good. And I really believe when they say there's none that doeth good, it would be the fool who said in his heart. There's none that do good. People that are atheists, they don't do good. What, what does their life even consist of? Self-centeredness? If, if, if we're here for no good reason other than we just are some random chance accident that evolved into what we are, then what is the point of life? And, and if, if you adopt that type of mentality, of course you're going to do nothing good. You're going to do nothing, ultimately, but self-centered wickedness. Even if it supposedly appears good, it's still going to be out of self-centered motivation. There's no other reason to do it. I mean, if, we, and you, if an atheist, you believe you die, you just that's it. It's over. So what would doing something good in this life benefit you in the next? It wouldn't. So why, ultimately, you, would you be motivated to do anything good? It's not going to gain you anything if you're an atheist. It's how you think. The Webster 1828 Dictionary defines blasphemy as an indignity offered to God in words, writing, or signs, impiously irreverent words or signs addressed to or used in reference to God. Speaking evil of God, also the act of claiming the attributes of deity. One of the most egregious sins in the Bible is blasphemy in the name of God. Leviticus 24.16, And he that blasphemeth the name of the Lord God, he shall surely be put to death, and all the congregation shall certainly stone him, as well as the stranger, as he that is born in the land, when he blasphemeth the name of the Lord, shall be put to death. Okay, so blaspheming the name of God in the Old Testament was a death sentence. Just like a false prophet, death sentence. Okay, uh, gay... Sodomite, death sentence. Bestiality, death sentence. You know, there was a lot of things that were death sentences in the Old Testament that, that were, you know. And if God's the same today, yesterday, and forever, which the Bible says, um, this is something that he still takes very seriously, is the point I'm trying to make. So, this is how seriously the Lord takes blasphemy. Leviticus 24.16 The Lord... Uh, mockery and disrespect towards God is one of the most powerful forces in moving the hearts and minds of people away from faith in Jesus Christ in the Bible. Yeah, because, I mean, if you just mock, and that, if that's the only image you have of Jesus Christ in the Bible, you're not going to have any reverence toward God. You're not going to have any fear of God. Not at all. If God can be openly disrespected, then certainly the blasphemer has no fear or concern for the message of the Bible. He will, though, the second he's dead... When he starts to realize as he's sucked down into hell, then he's going to start to realize, you know what, I'm, I should have rethought this. I shouldn't have really tried to do my own thing my whole life. And, and you know, going further, we 
that we are all guilty sinners who have willingly violated God's law and have his wrath hanging over us, which is, the, you know, one of the central themes of, of the New Testament in the Bible. And the punishment for our sin is death and hell. Satan, the ultimate adversary of humanity, does not want people to care about the message of the gospel or even believe in God. And pop culture entertainment provides a massive weapon for Satan to win over the hearts and minds of society. Jesus Christ described this process of spiritual corruption in the book of Luke, uh, where we read, and this is Luke eight, uh, Luke chapter 8, verses 4 through 12. And when much people were gathered together, and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away, because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up with it, and choked it. And others fell on good ground, and sprang up, and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears, let him hear. And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. But to others in parables that seeing that they might not see, and hearing that they might not understand. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. Uh, those by the wayside are they that hear. Then cometh the devil, and taketh away the word out of their hearts, lest they should believe and be saved. Okay, so that's real. So this is why, you know, salvation, um, very important that when you are, when you are told the gospel, when you, when you receive that and, and, and understand that, it's very important you get saved then, that you don't put it off. Because the Spirit of God is not, not always going to strive with man. It's, it's not, the, the Holy Spirit just isn't like the heavenly bellhop, and you get saved whenever you want to get saved. As the Holy Spirit draweth, a man gets saved. Okay, You just don't get to save, get saved whenever you want to get saved. Like, okay, I'm going to live like the devil for the, my whole life and get saved on my deathbed. doesn't work that way. People have even tried that. I've heard of many deathbed accounts where the person, the minister would come in the room and the guy was like, I want to get saved, but I can't. Now, this is a person that had heard the gospel over and over, had the opportunity, but wanted to do his own thing, wanted to reject the Lord up until the very time of, of you know, in the end and get his get-out-of-jail-free card. And it didn't work. He couldn't do it. He literally couldn't do it. And sometimes they were even permitted uh, to see the old Grim Reaper coming up the stairs or hearing the chains, and, and, and as the guy was dying, he was saying, get away, get away, get away, and, and he was he was like, screaming at some entity in the room that the preacher couldn't see, and then they die. So, but see, the, the modern advent of these, um, of, of the pain meds, and putting you into a state, a coma-like state, has prevented a lot of those same deathbed accounts from occurring. Likewise, Christians have a totally opposite experience at death. And particularly, you know, if they're coherent, and and they might have they would have a, a totally opposite reaction where they they might see an angel a good angel coming into the room and their face lights up and they have this peace flow over them and you know it's just it's just like perfect so um, those accounts are out there but you don't hear about them as much anymore since the modern day advent of the uh, of 
the pain medications, and, and a lot of times people are in like coma, coma-like states when they pass away, so you don't run into that as much. Um, I think a lot more people would get saved if they did, though, that's for sure. One way or another, both ways. I mean, I think both ways could be used as a witnessing tool. Uh, behold the goodness and the severity of the Lord. You know? And the goodness of the Lord leadeth thee to repentance. And also godly sorrow leadeth thee to repentance. So, goodness meaning like if you were to witness somebody who was a born-again Christian and saw that peace wash over them and they were had this wonderful experience and you got to see that, well... Hey, that could be a tremendous witnessing tool. Then, severity of the Lord, you see some guy die, or, 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 or woman die in this most horrific way, trying to get away from some entity, and then they're dead, knowing that they saw something. Maybe they sense the presence of evil in the room. That could also be a tremendous motivator for you to get right with God. I know it would be for me, man. That would be really humbling. I mean, that's scary stuff. You know? Um... That's why I like to, to bring that up every now and then, because it's, it's hugely important. So, shows like Family Guy, um, take any love, reverence, or belief in God and discard it from your mind. The making mockery, the making of the mockery like the 2,000-year-old virgin episode is a perfect example. This is, of course, not the first time that Family Guy has done this. In a prior episode, I Dream of Jesus, the show depicts Jesus as a foul-mouthed pervert. Other episodes have mocked the term born-again, shown a dog eating a crucifix, and portrayed Jesus Christ as a sexual predator. I mean, may God rain down his fury on all these devils. Why? That all men would see and fear and declare the work of God, that they would wisely consider of his doing, and that the righteous would be glad in the Lord and trust in him, and all the upright in heart shall glory. See, see my teaching on Psalm 64, on God's judgment on wickedness, and why that when God judges wickedness, it's always a good thing. People get saved, you know. And you can just go to contendingfortruth.com and key in the word Psalm in the search box, and you can see the one on Psalm 64. And in precatory prayers. Parents need to be aware of what their children are watching. In addition to its blasphemy, Family Guy on a weekly basis promotes all manner of perversion as fun humor. This show, which airs at 8 p.m. and has a large child and teenage audience, has featured the following. See, they can get away with stuff with cartoons they can never get away with on real, like, sitcoms, that type of thing, where there's actually humans in there. But see, it's a cartoon. Well, a lot of the parents grew up on, like, cartoons that were, like, not like this, obviously. I mean, maybe they weren't. They, they weren't great, and maybe they were bad, but nothing like this. But see, because it's a cartoon, it disarms people. It, it's like, oh, it can't be that. It's just a cartoon. Oh, it's okay, you know. What what do they promote on Family Guy? Well, here's some things they promote. And I left some of these out because they're so bad, I can't even repeat them. Uh, bestiality, of course, this is about as bad as it gets. The family dog who is unable to speak repeatedly. Eh, I'm not even going to say it. It's bad. Pedophilia, foul language, um, sexual assault. The assault and abuse of women is frequently referenced and mocked on the show. Time Magazine referenced this article about a high school sexual assault trial in which the accused teens assaulted a drunk young woman in front of dozens of other friends who photographed the crime to upload to their social media pages all for fun. The Time journalists call teenagers today the family guy generation. 
writing, quote, If rape is too common of a punchline for this generation, we shouldn't be shocked. After all, these kids were raised on Family Guy and the constant verbal abuse of female characters. I mean, again, yeah, this is what this is what sets the stage. Shows like this, it's not the only thing, but it d- totally sets the stage. You know, this is how people's consciences get seared with a hot iron, immersing yourself in this stuff. The series, which has become hugely popular among teen boys and young men, features more rape humor than one could tally, including one scene in which a woman is being assaulted on a beach and screams for help while another character, Aquaman, issues lame threats to the perpetrator without leaving the water. The scene ends when Aquaman gives up saying, well, maybe you shouldn't, you shouldn't have let him on. Um, also, a lot about homosexuality on the show. The show depicts gay orgies and reinforces McFarlane's strong pro-gay views. He looks very gay, I'll be honest. I mean, For example, an episode about trying to convert Someone from being gay to straight shows a Christian camp counselor instructing the campers to beat the gay character with a bat until they're straight. Of course, they've always got to attack Christianity. Every single Christian that's portrayed on any of these shows anymore is portrayed as the most bigoted, hypocritical devils. And really what they want to do is is not portray Christianity, not, not like try to hide Christianity, but any form of Christianity they portray... They're always like the most evil of the evil people, deep down. They're, they're all, they always end up being like the most evil person in the end. You know, far more evil than any of the secular people portrayed on the show. And again, that's all by design. Okay, so continuing. The Bible says, now the works of the flesh are manifest. Which are these? First one they have listed is adultery, which they promote. Fornication, which this show promotes uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which the time I tell you before, as I have told you now in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And that's what they're encouraging people to do in these shows. Because Satan is behind it, so he wants you to emulate and act like these and think like the characters that are portrayed in these shows, like Family Guy. In this extensive list of sins, notice the first four all deal with sexual immorality. Much of the entertainment today on television is focused on those four sins. The shows like Family Guy push uncleanness and lasciviousness to the extreme. Um, we're going to get into the definition of lasciviousness later, a little bit later, the actual specific definition. Anyway, um... Let's go further here. Uh, By presenting it as a cartoon, it is written off by the media as lighthearted humor. What what spirit is inspiring such a show, though? In 2013, McFarlane was picked to host the Hollywood's biggest night, the Oscar Awards. Here it shows the little devil with, I guess he won, uh, I guess he's won two Oscars. Well, hey, you know. (laughs) Luke 16, 15. And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. See, that's how McFarlane justifies himself. I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. I believe in the Big Bang. He's, that's how he, he's justifying himself before men. And he's the exact type of person Hollywood wants. Reprobate, mind-darkened, no conscience whatsoever, just a devil from the pit of hell. Okay? 
Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. If, if Seth MacFarlane isn't an abomination in the sight of God, I don't know who is. Okay. Going further, it says, to no surprise, Family Guy has been nominated for 13 Emmy Awards. Winning five. 13, Rebellion. I mean, it just goes to show you how wicked and evil Hollywood is. Nominating this disgusting, sick, perverted, should have been never even allowed on television program. 13 Emmy Awards, and they've won five. Here it shows him holding two of them. A 2011 demographic survey found it was the most popular show on television for men aged 18 to 34. And the third most popular among all people aged 12 to 34. I cannot imagine allowing your child to watch. I don't, I've never watched. I've only seen clips of this show. I can't even hardly watch it for a few minutes. It's so bad. It is so evil. Okay? And I can't imagine just, hey, here, Johnny, let, just bring yourself up on Family Guy. Let this be your role model. Because that's basically what you're doing. If you if you were to let your children watch this, it's fine to blaspheme Jesus Christ and God. It's fine to, to glorify all manner of sexual perversion, adultery and fornication. It's all good. Pedophilia, homosexuality, you name it. It's fine. Rape. That's what they're doing. McFarland signed a $100 million contract with the conservative Fox Fox Network for his show, in addition to his other show, American Dad, which also airs on Fox. I don't even know a lot about that. I'm sure it's wicked as, you know, as well. Once you are willing to direct the attack, uh, directly attack the Christian faith, rewards will often follow. Yeah. Well, you, you better you better really um, enjoy those rewards now, Seth, because all you got is hellfire waiting for you on the other side, unless you get saved. You know. How many hours each week are families devoting to God versus television? Um, James 4.4 4. Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy of God. It goes without saying that no Christian should be watching a vile blasphemous program such as Family Guy. If you are a Christian and you watch this show, it is time to truly evaluate how seriously you take God's word and your own faith. Pray to God for forgiveness and supporting something that is so brazenly attacks his holy name. And if you are a Christian parent of a child who watches this show, or if you do not know if they do, it is time to engage your children in a loving but biblical manner and make sure they are not being seduced in such blatantly satanic content. Although Seth MacFarlane and they like him stand guilty and condemned for their sins, God in his love sent his, sent his son to die for them. The very same son of God whom Family Guy repeatedly mocks came to earth to take punishment for those very sins, and it only takes faith in Jesus Christ to be forgiven for one's sins and to have eternal life. Um, and then I, I put a link in here to my True Salvation tab, my audio on that. Um, and it's in green. You'll see that. So it, it walks you through the whole thing about salvation. And then there's other teachings after it talking about things like baptism and bearing the cross of Christ and overcoming that also get into things after salvation. So, Christ came as a suffering servant to pay the price 
of our sin debt. However, upon his return, it will be very different. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7-10 And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus taking shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance upon them, them that know not God, and that obeyed not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, um, whom shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, would be believers, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. This... Okay, I'm sorry, I had, I had to... Take a short pause there. This is the Christ that will be awaiting Seth MacFarlane and all people like him on Judgment Day. And there's nothing funny about this. There will be no mocking jokes or blasphemy when someone is before the throne of Jesus Christ or at his second coming. The devil does not want people to think about hell and the lake of fire, but that does not change its reality. Let, let's hope and pray that MacFarlane and many other people deluded and cheering for blasphemy will learn this while they still have time to repent. Yeah, amen. Amen. Um, next report on a similar but yet different kind of snake in the grass devil. Hip megachurch pastor gives biblical Christians a new label. Hater. And here's a picture of pastor Stephen Furtick. Now, this guy, one look at him, and I wouldn't get near this guy's church. He looks like a young punk that is going to go like go clubbing in New York City for the night and try to pick up chicks. That's like my that's like my impression of this this guy. Okay? The 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 fact that there's people out there that are like absolute total I won't even call them novices like the Bible referred they're not even they're just devils. Out there calling themselves pastors and elders and bishops and all of these things when they don't fulfill the requirement for those offices. And I've done whole studies on that. Um, biblical requirements for a pastor. You can key that in. This guy, all i got to do is take one look at him to know that he's not qualified. I mean, anybody with any kind of sense would know this. Okay? One look. That's how bad it is. Sometime back, the progressive megachurch pastor, Stephen Furtick of Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina, mentored as he is by evangelical bigwigs like Rick Warren and Bill Hybels, felt bold enough to post a YouTube video in which he sneeringly challenged what I'd call traditional Christians to basically get out of the way because their time is past. Presumably to Furtick, it's the new generation's time now, so step aside with your hymns and expositional-style preaching, never mind that Furtick's goofy, disturbing video rant looks more like a Saturday Night Live parody. It really does. I'm going to play it right now. It, it reminds you of a Saturday... It's almost like, is this guy serious? Really? No, he's not really serious. This is like a Saturday Night like spoof, right? He's that bad. Okay, here, I'm going to play it right now. Okay, so this is Reverend. Oh, the good Reverend. Even though Reverend is only used once to, once in the Bible in reference to God. It's not a title a man should take. The Bible says holy and reverend is he, and that is to God. Not for a man. Okay, anyway, Reverend Steve Furtick. I did a whole teaching on that, just being Reverend. 
in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com. Reverend Steve Furtick, Elevation Church. Um, Stevens, here's how he opened this, this, uh, particular sermon or whatever. And then it says, do you see the madness in his eyes? And it really, th- this guy, it's like, are you kidding me? He looks like some wild-eyed, demon-possessed moron. Is about as close as I can really describe it. Okay? Uh, the Bible says to mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. Okay? That's what the Bible says. So, this is marking a devil like that. Okay? It's going to start any second here, I think. Hey, haters. I hate to break this to you, but your day is done. This guy is such an idiot. I can't even, I can't not watch this and not laugh. He's like, he's got, he's twitching his head and he's, he's like real trend. He's got all these lights in the background. It looks like he's in a discotheque or something. And he's so, so cocky and arrogant. Pride all over this guy. And he doesn't even realize he looks like such an idiot. That's what's funny about it almost. He thinks he's so cool and so with it. And our time has passed and, you know, he's gonna, he's gonna straighten us out. See, we're done with the way you sling shame and blame in the face of anyone who doesn't say what you say, see what you see, read what you read, think what you think. Oh, you mean like the Bible? Just wanting to go by the Bible, Steve? Reverend Steve? That's what you're in reference to, clearly, because obviously you're not. Do what you do, how you do what you do, but it's not about you. We're sick and tired. Oh my, you, you gotta watch this video. You have got to watch this guy's eyes and his mannerisms. He is so demon, I really say he's demon possessed. He is a demon possessed vessel of Satan. And if you're under him, if the head is sick, the whole body's gonna be sick. And if you're under a guy like this, you are going to become sick spiritually. Okay? While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, the same he is brought into bondage. If you're one of this, one of his members, I see these these bumper stickers on cars, Elevation Church. I go by one on my way to um, uh, Cornelius. In um, it's it's on the outskirts of Charlotte. He's already got satellite churches. There's just not just one. I mean, and it's this. I just went by it two days ago. I was praying praying as I drove by it. I didn't really realize how bad it was there until I saw this video. I mean, these churches are like really high-end as far as the building and the facade goes. I mean, top-notch. Tons of money spent. Where I was driving through in Cornelius, it's a very, very, very affluent area. Okay? And they're appealing, and I, I guarantee you that church wasn't built there by accident. Okay? They're trying to rake the old money in. Because their money's God. And um, somebody like this is just further proof of that. Of your pervasive propensity to pick a fight and hide the light, nitpicking every single pixel of God's brilliant picture, seeing only your side in only black and white. 
also only black and white. I guess the Bible's not black and white. It's, it's very gray. Bible's very gray. I'm not saying that there's never any, ever any gray issues, but what he wants to do is basically, it's all about your opinion and how does it feel and how does your heart feel about it. And even though the Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, a guy like this is going to try to absolutely get you to trust your own heart. But the Bible says he who trusted his own heart is a fool and that there is a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He's not going to, He's never going to point you to the Bible unless it's some scripture that he can twist and take to the exclusion of the rest of the Bible. That's that's the only way this guy is going to try to teach you. Scared to death of difference, shaking your fist in the face of change. I hear you hanging on some people because they're not deep enough, but it makes me wonder if death is more a measure of love than it is about whether people sync up with every idiosyncratic opinion you've got. You're full of- this guy's... He's like a raving madman. Really is. I mean, it's just, it's just the, the ravings of a lunatic. When you see, I mean, you, you gotta see this guy. You gotta play this video. I don't normally tell you to do that, but I would say you really want to take the time to view this because you're not getting the full, you're not getting the full impact unless you watch the video, watch this guy's mannerisms, just to see how demon infested and possibly possessed this vessel of Satan actually is. Opinions, but you're low on the spirit, because the spirit is love. The spirit. Oh, it's love. So, see, unless we preach love 24-7, Lord knows you're never going to talk about hell. And this guy's church, guaranteed, hell doesn't even probably exist in their realm of thinking. And whatever Bibles that they would adhere to are probably so watered down and so basically new age, you couldn't even get saved out of them. I mean, this is like the emerging church, the prosperity gospel, and who knows what else, all commingled together. This is where Jesus Christ said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees, which is their doctrine. See, this is his doctrine. And all these devils, all these 501c3 corporate church whores like him, and I'm not saying everybody that has a 501c3 church is a, is a corporate church whore. I'm just saying that guys at this level... 100%. You know, probably part of the FEMA clergy response team, but you'll never know that until it's too late on that one. I got into that many times. It's peace. The spirit is kindness, and the only kind of words you ever seem to speak bring death to the hearer and leave weakness in their way. So you're basically saying that the Bible, where it chastens people, where it corrects people for their own benefit, um... And many, many times, I mean, li- listen, you're going to this church, you're not even saved. Okay, I don't see how you could be saved and going to this church. Uh, I, I just don't see it. I don't see how if the Holy Spirit lives inside you, you're not going to get convicted to leave the church. I'm not saying there couldn't be a, an, a, a, um, an exception to that. But if you were to go there and sit under this guy year after year, how could you be saved? The Holy Spirit's living inside you. He's going to bear witness if this is truth or not. And if you have no conviction to leave a church like this, you're not saved. So I guess we're haters because we care enough to tell people the truth that they are on their way to hell. And we want them to get saved because we don't want them to burn in hell. We're haters because of that. He would rather, good old Steve would rather see you burning in hell right next to him for eternity and then cast in the lake, lake of fire at the great white throne judgment because, hey, misery loves company. And, you know, 
He's not convicted about nothing. He's just going with his heart. He's just serving. This guy's probably a closet Satanist. I wouldn't doubt one bit that this guy is a Satanist. And it is a proven fact of many people, many Satanists that are ex-Satanists that have come out of that, every time they were in a coven, they were assigned to a church. And what was their objective? Well, if it was a woman, seduce the pastor, seduce the church hierarchy, whoever's the strongest in the church, try to create division and, and, and um, destruction and offenses and try to destroy the, the church hierarchy from within. And men, one of the most preferred, um, coveted positions among Satanists is Christian pastor. And if this guy, I'd almost be surprised if he wasn't a Satanist. I mean, it, it, he is so wild-eyed, so evil-looking. Look, I could have no problem seeing this guy in a black robe with an athami, the ritual satanic dagger in his hand, doing a sacrifice of a baby. Okay, I, I'd have no problem with, with that. I mean, I have a problem with that image, but I would have no problem <laughs> believing that could be the case with this guy. Because he is, he, this guy's just evil. You look like a toddler drawing lines in the sand, talking about how you're defending the truth. We look like toddlers, us fundamental Bible-believing Christians. I, King James, I mean, this guy, you know, I'm sure he would just go ballistic on that subject. We look like toddlers. He's accusing Bible-believing Christians of the very, very thing he's guilty of. I couldn't even accuse him of being a toddler, though, because that would be accusing him of, well, he's just not that well-developed in the faith. I'm not going to give him that much credit. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I think he knows exactly what he's doing, who he's been commissioned by, Satan. And he is carrying out that agenda for the express purpose of getting as many people to hell as he possibly can. That's what his agenda is. He is of his father, the devil, and of his lusts, and of his works, he will do. Taking a stand for all your hating and pontificating and stances and games, there's there's no change. Like, this guy's going to bring about real good, godly change. Like, his solution is the way to that. Even though the Bible says in the end times, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He's just evidence of that verse. He is an evil man and a seducer who is waxing, means growing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He's deceived himself. And he's also deceiving. He's just evidence of the scriptures playing out. In the end times in particular. The apostasy. The falling away that the Bible predicts in 2 Thessalonians. I mean, there has to be that falling away. He is absolute, the 100% poster child for 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. The falling away of the church. The apostasy. So all he's doing is fulfilling scripture. Yet he has the audacity to attack Bible believing Christians. I mean, it's just the pot calling the kettle black. It's unbelievable. It's a new day. Because we're not looking for approval from you. We give no respect and never neglect the chance to complain. Are you going to criticize or create? Waste your time casting stones, breaking bones, belittling everyone you consider opposed? Are you going to exchange your hate? Trade the pain of the same, embrace a new way to change the world. Honor's time has come, and a new light has gone. The light of Lucifer is what he's in reference to. Fill the tongue of the cynic and pierce the heart of the skeptic. This generation is waiting. Yeah, I'm sure this church is leading so many 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. They're leading people to hell. They're not converting people to the Lord Jesus Christ, to a holy way of living, to the Bible. They're leading people to hell. Their fruit is rotten. All I need to do is see who their pastor is and see what his rhetoric is to know that. And yet he acts like they're the way forward. They're the, yeah, they're the way forward into the, into the golden age of Aquarius, into the new world order, into the new age where ye shall be as gods, which is what they've promised essentially. Just like in the Garden of Eden, it's the same old trick. This is what this guy's in reference to. The dawning of a new age, the guaranteed he will line up and beg for the mark of the beast when it's, when it's announced. He will beg for it. Him and all his ilk. They'll think that they're doing God's service when they actually kill real Christians. That's what the Bible predicts. That's how far gone this guy already is. But I think in his case it's absolutely by design. and He knows exactly what he's doing. He's got his marching orders straight from Satan. Restore the hope of the nation. Yeah, right. We're going to restore it. Even though the Bi- there's no Bible at all for, for, res- for this nation being restored. Okay? I'm not saying we shouldn't fight evil. I mean, that's why I have this ministry, essentially, to warn and to try to fight evil and to expose evil. But I don't really see any Bible for, like, a lot of these churches have, have adopted this document, uh, this doctrine of dominionism, where they believe that they're going to make the world such a great place like this guy. With this emerging church, the dominionists, these types of people where they believe the world's going to be such a a wonderful place because they're going to make it that way, that Jesus Christ is going to have no choice but to return and set up his kingdom, and we're going to basically forego the tribulation period. It's not even going to happen, because they're they're so good, they're so holy, that the Bible's going to actually be changed, and it won't apply anymore. That's how deluded they are in their thinking. And they're going to believe that the false prophet and the antichrist are basically... You know, the return of Christ. In some semblance of way, shape, and form, they're going to delude themselves into thinking that. And that guy's just total evidence of that. So let's go further here. Uh, his view is somewhat mainstream among Christian millennials, masked a bit by a pious nod toward humanitarian causes. The leadership of this group is quite nasty, I'll bet in subtle ways. Witness Mr. Jonathan Merritt. Um... I consider Merritt, son of a former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Dr. James Merritt, to be a leading change agent within evangelicalism. Now, you see, here you got a guy that's the son of a former Southern Baptist. Now, Southern Baptists have gigantic problems. Okay. Huge. But notice the degradation. He goes from the son of a Southern Baptist Convention to now this guy, yoking up with this devil we just heard, which is a whole other level of wickedness. You know, but this is, this is the degradation you're seeing across the board. But see, if you go to these churches, they'll call it progress. They'll call it this wonderful thing. They'll call it, we're getting right with God. We're ushering in the kingdom of God. We're, the, the, the kingdom of God is at hand. They'll tell you, they'll tickle your ears with all manner of lies and deceit and deception and call it truth. That's the norm. That's becoming the norm. So, it's very important that you pray for discernment in the end times. I mean, I don't think many of my listeners would have a real hard time identifying this guy. Maybe a new listener. You know, and I don't want to put anybody down. I'm just saying that, you know, this is just pure blasphemy. Read the word of God. 
Read the King James Bible. Don't follow a man. I don't tell people to follow me. Follow the Word of God. Pray for discernment. Pray for faith. Um, pray for whatever you think you lack spiritually. Pray for it. Okay? The Lord Jesus Christ can provide. And Lord knows there's probably not enough people praying for stuff like that. You know? Um, in today's day and age, at least. So let's go further. At least in America, that's for sure. Uh, let's see here. So, this Merritt, who's yoked up with him, former president, um, son of the former president of the Southern Baptist Convention, Dr. James Merritt, he's a leading change agent within evangelicalism in the broader attempt to move evangelicals to center-left perspectives. What, left? Like, pro-abortion? Pro-homosexuality? Yeah. That's how bad it's getting. Can you imagine going to a pro-abortion church? They're out there. Can you imagine going to a church where it has a rabid lesbian as your pastor? Oh, they're out there. They're out there. Bull dyke lesbians as the pastors of churches now. Oh, I've reported on it over and over. I mean, that's what they call themselves. You know? I'm not, I'm not using a cuss word. I'm saying that's what they call themselves. They're proud of it. They're proud of their manliness. Can you imagine going to a church and sitting yourself and letting that be your spiritual head? I mean, wow. It's hard to comprehend. Jonathan Merritt is essentially a Southern Baptist royalty. Having moved from Atlanta to New York City sometime back, he uses his perch as a columnist for Religion News Service to advocate for center-to-left perspectives within Christianity. His own take on Rob Bell from a November 24 post, as he describes Bell's move to Oprah's own network, Rob Bell, that emerging devil church guy, who left his um, preaching thing and actually went to Oprah's own network. It's pretty bad if you're yoking up with Oprah. Now, I've done many teachings on Oprah and her New Age agenda. Just key it in in the search box at contendingfortruth.com. He is writing on the success of a pile of best-selling books and a hit video series. Pastor Rob Bell became one of the most sought-after religious speakers in America during the early 200s, 2000s. But after Bell questioned whether hell was real, in his New York Times best-selling book, Love Wins, no, it's all about love, 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 love. They hate fundamental Christianity. They hate what it stands for. They can't stand any type of black and white doctrine like you get in the King James Bible. But love always wins. They always refer back to love. Okay, They love you so much they want you to burn in hell for eternity. That's how much they love you. Guys like Rob Bell and this Furtick guy and this Merrick guy. They love you so much that they want to see you burn in hell and then lake of fire forever. That's how much they love you. Because you are never going to get the truth from them. And they want to keep you from the truth as long as they can. So that you actually never do get saved. So that you actually never do know the truth. They don't want to teach you the way of righteousness or holiness. They don't want any of that. They want you to die and go to hell, which is where they're going. That's their agenda. Deep down, that's what it's all going to come down to in the end, isn't it? It's that serious of a deal. In his best-selling Times book, Love Wins, many conservative Christians tried to oust him from the inner circle of evangelicalism. How did Bell respond? By quietly bidding his haters adieu, leaving his church, and attaining even more success. Merritt concludes. Merritt's glorifying this guy. This Rob Bell guy. He's writing about him. He's glorifying him. He says, look, 
he bid his church's goodbye, his haters goodbye, and he, what was the result? What was the fruit? He attained even more success. Well, what does the Bible say? The Bible says in John fifteen nineteen, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. That's why the world loves Rob Bell, because he's of the world. Okay? That's why he's going on Oprah's network. That's why when he left his church, after he said hell wasn't real in this book, Love Wins, that was why he attained even more success, because people want to hear that in general. People want to hear there's not a hell. They, they, they desperately want that. They want to have preachers telling them there's no hell. Why? Because it gives them a license to live whatever stinking way they want to live. They don't got to worry about getting saved because there's no hell. So eat, drink, live. Today we, you know, whatever, party. Tomorrow we die. <laughs> you know, basically that's their, that's their, um, their motto. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. That's a test. You know, does the world love you and what you stand for as a Christian? It shouldn't, you know. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. The world's not going to have any problem with this furtick guy. He's telling the world exactly what it wants to hear. Bigoted old Christians, I was sick of them anyway. Here's a pastor that actually has his head screwed on straight. That's what they're saying. Okay, so let's look at another verse pertaining to this whole subject. Um, Luke sixteen fifteen, And he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men. Isn't that what they're doing? Isn't that what Merit was just doing? He was justifying another reprobate, you know, this Rob Bell guy, before men. And isn't that what Furtick's doing up there, saying that we're all haters? He's trying to justify himself to the world. So, Jesus said, and he said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. These people are all trying to be highly esteemed among men. It's obvious by their rhetoric, by their doctrine, by their corrupted, twisted doctrine, that that's what they're trying to do. I mean, this guy, like I said, he looks like he's going to go clubbing in New York City and pick up girls or something. That's like the first impression you get. And then the whole wild-eyed, weird, cocky, waving his head back and forth, talking out of one side of his mouth. you got to see the video. It's, it's almost hysterical in some respects. Sad yet hysterical. That, that there's people out there that follow this dude. I mean, it's scary, I guess, at the same time. But the Bible does predict this is going to happen. Am I saying all this because I think I'm perfect? No, I'm not. But I have to expose people like this that, that are just so blatant and in your face. I mean, they're attacking us and, and um, it, it deserves a biblical response back is, is what the whole point is. So, okay, this is really interesting. Let, I'm going back to the main report. Okay, this is really interesting. Let's look at what Merritt is doing here. Because in my opinion, in this column, it is Merritt and not Bell who is the real story. Merritt was the guy, the Southern Baptist son, president of Southern Baptist, his son, he's the guy that's writing for this Christian magazine, trying to justify people like Rob Bell, who's now yoked up with Oprah. Okay, um, It's all about propaganda. Notice that Merritt, a quasi-journalist, injects plenty of his own feelings into this piece. Again, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Okay, um, Which reads somewhat, which reads somewhat as a straight news story. He lets us know that Bell has produced a pile of best-selling books. That should be a red flag. You know, I tell people, read the Bible. Okay? 
don't go out into your Christian bookstore and get every book from every... These guys are trying to make money. A lot of the, those books are written by ghostwriters. Okay? And, and it is typically some type of watered-down, twisted view of the Bible. I, I don't ever tell people to go out and just get another book, you know, to read. Th- those, those Christian bookstores are some of the worst minefields you could go to. So anyway, let's go further. Um, so he's produced a pile of best-selling books. He has a hit video series and a much sought-after speaker. Is Merritt moonlighting as Bell's press agent? Pretty much, yeah. Merritt likes it. He likes Bell. He presumably likes Bell's wacky theology. He also likes the fact that Bell has moved over to the community run by the high priestess of American spirituality, Oprah Winfrey. This is the new face of American evangelism, which is this emerging church melding with the new age, melding with witchcraft. Okay, remember, I've said this over and over. Witchcraft is the coming backbone of the one world church in the new world order. It's going to be witchcraft. I mean, well, no, how can you prove that? Okay, let's look at the false prophet and antichrist who are going to be at the head of that one world religious system. How are they going to deceive the whole world? Through lying signs and wonders? What is going to be the source for the lying signs and wonders? High-level witchcraft on a level you've never seen. Okay? That is going to be the coming essence of the New World Order. I saw this video, and I don't, I'm not saying it's true, but I saw this yesterday of these Muslims, and it was this jet fighter plane, okay, that was flying over, and all of a sudden this horse thing was kind of like in the air. And it kind of got near this jet, and the jet kind of went one way, and it came back, and then it literally started doing a nosedive, and it blew up in this whatever, and these Muslims are all going, oh, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. They're doing all this, you know, they're just, they're, they're just disgusting, incessant devil chants over and over and over again while this was happening, okay? Now, maybe the video is totally fake. I don't know. Even if it is, what they were saying is it was Allah coming back, it was a black horse, and Allah had come back to avenge and to fight. Do you understand that if there's people, even if it's a fake video, that there's going to be, they're, they're recruiting, I, I mean, I don't know how many hundreds into ISIS every day. They're getting more and more financial power every day through various means. That I mean, they're not getting littler. They're getting bigger and more powerful every day. Okay? ISIS is. And if they have a propaganda video like that to show their followers, do you know what a recruitment tool that is going to be? What is that? That is a line, sign, and wonder Okay, And that is going to be the primary method that the Antichrist and false prophet are going to deceive the whole world. So we better get just used to that, to see these lying signs and wonders. Yes, pray against them. Sure, pray it be exposed. But see, that's, that's why you have to, have to have every part of your being grounded in the word of God. Not in man's doctrine. Cursed be the man that trusteth in man and that maketh flesh his arm and whose heart departeth from the Lord. Meaning you lean on the arm of flesh. You don't want to do that. You want to lean on the word of God, on Jesus Christ. And when I saw the video, even if it is fake, there's going to come a time where it's not fake. And even if it is fake, they're probably going to use that thing to recruit thousands upon thousands upon thousands, because what does it look like? It looks like Allah came and delivered them from this wicked fighter jet who was going to bomb ISIS or whatever, whatever Islamic devil cause they were 
going after. Pedophiles are us. ISIS. And it looks like they're vindicated in the eyes of Allah and that they're fighting on the side of righteousness, which is going to even further embolden these devils, these pedophilic devils from the pits of hell. And further get them thinking that they're on the cause of righteousness. And further get them thinking that everything that I'm doing is righteous. I can rape, kill, pillage, rape little girls. It doesn't matter because Allah is on my side. Look at how he just defended me. Do you see how easy the world is going to call it fall, hook, line, and sinker for these signs and lying wonders and miracles? I'm telling you, that's going to be the main way that people are deceived. And I, just watching that video really, it struck home to me about that. So let's go further here. Um, when pastors like Rob Bell are mainstream, one knows that the American church is in deep trouble. I'm talking the big, visible, mega-church growth model. For there, one will find the embracing of any glitzy personality at the expense of truth. So if you don't like Bell's leftist theology, you're a hater. Can't stomach Tony Jones' jettisoning of original sin as a key doctrine? You're a hater. Chagrined by Furtick's punkish persona and loose handling of scripture? Well, then you're a hater. Not just a hater, but a petty and jealous one at that. Do you see how Jonathan Merritt is doing is doing it, he is implanting false notions with his writings into readers' minds that those who uphold the authority of Scripture are some kind of weak-minded, bigoted weirdos. A couple of predictions. No one in evangelical circles at the headship level will ever say a word about Merritt's nasty agenda. And it will get worse. Why? Because they have no backbone. Because they don't say anything. Because they don't strive against sin. They don't contend for the truth. They don't reprove the unfruitful works of darkness. They have no love for the sheep. Why? A true shepherd will lay down his life for the sheep. Shouldn't a shepherd be warning his flock of garbage like this so that they don't get sucked into this? Especially the modern day advent of the internet and the television. You would turn on your, your TV and see this guy. If you've have, never had any warnings from your pastor about devils like this, how are you going to really know that he's not true? Well, he seems like a nice guy. My pastor's never said anything about people like this. All pastors should be watchmen, to a certain extent. I mean, come on. I mean, if a shepherd is a pastor, what does a shepherd do? He watches over the sheep. But see, the hireling have no true love for the sheep. Why? Because he's a hireling. He's doing it for the money. Let's go further. Just get a load of the pages of relevant... of relevant magazines sometime. I wouldn't advise it. Don't don't waste your money. If you do, burn it once you've read it. <laughs> don't embrace anything in it. Because all it is is deception. Or leaven. Um, as a publisher, Cameron Strang mocks anyone he disagrees with, or even mentor Andy Stanley's casual handling of biblical concepts. Or check out the venom coming from the aw shucks writer Donald Miller. For these men are part of a group that I maintain controls the narrative within the American evangelism. Dissenters are not welcome. Okay, so I'm going to go through some Bible verses now regarding false ministers. Okay, which further bolsters what we just talked about Okay, in this whole study. So, Proverbs 17.15 says, He that justifieth the wicked, and he that condemneth the just... Even they both are an abomination to the Lord. Which is exactly what these guys are doing. All of them. They're justifying the wicked 
other wicked pastors or wicked behavior. And they're condemning the just. They're going after Bible-believing fundamental Christians and calling them haters. How does God view them? As an abomination to the Lord. So see, their argument isn't with me, it's with God. It's with His Word. So they could rail against me all day long, it doesn't really matter. The Bible's very clear on the subject. Isaiah 5, 20, verse A. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, which is exactly what they're doing as well. So see, I'm giving this to you just to understand that this isn't just because I'm mad about something. This is about what the Bible clearly delineates. What is acceptable biblical behavior? And obviously they're not even close to that. 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen verse 15 says, For such, like this Reverend Furtek, or that Merit guy, or Rob Bell, are such, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his, Satan's ministers, his ministers, also be transformed as ministers of righteousness. They appear as ministers of righteousness, but they're, they're ministers of Satan. In other words, they're counterfeits. Whose end shall be according to their works. They have nothing to look forward to but hell and the lake of fire, unless they repent. 2 Timothy 3, or I'm sorry, 2 Timothy 4, verse 3 and 4, says, I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be in season, out of season, reprove, which is what we're doing today, we're reproving, rebuke, we're rebuking, we're also preaching the word, we're exhorting with all long-suffering and doctrine, that's what I'm doing, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. I mean, this is so far from sound doctrine, it's not even close. Okay, I'm sorry, I had to break there for a sec. Uh, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, which is exactly where we're at, but after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers. Heap. Go to the Christian bookstore. Buy all of these authors. Oh, i got to have this book. i got, I got to have this version of the Bible. In this version, the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Why would you want to read multiple versions when there's only one true version settled in heaven? It's not a hundred different versions of your own liking. Stick with the King James Bible. Okay? But they shall heap to themselves teachers. Like this moron that we just heard. And these other guys. That's what the Bible says that they're going to do in this time. They're not going to endure sound doctrine. They're going to heap to themselves teachers. Having itching ears. Meaning, I want to hear this one. I want to hear... I got a lot of that exposure, in, particularly in the Pentecostal church. Because there, I mean, you're you're listening to all the televangelists. You got Benny Hinn and all these other devils, and then you got a lot of itinerant Pentecostal preachers that might come and speak at your church, and, and you got all of these different teachers and preachers, and it never ends. Why? Because you tend to have itching ears. You want the new thing. You want something new. You want a new word, a fresh move of God. The whole nine yards. I've been there. Okay. Having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from truth. That's what that's what this fertic guy wants. That's what Merritt wants. That's what Rob Bell wants. They want you what's truth. The Bible says, Thy word is truth. It's very simple. The word of God is truth. They will turn away their ears from truth, the word of God, and shall be turned unto fables. Fables. Stories that aren't even true. 
That's what they're going to base their, their doctrine and their lives off of that. Colossians 2.8 Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy, which is what we're dealing with here. We're dealing with man-made, cemetery-taught, I mean seminary-taught philosophies. And the seminaries, I'm sure, just getting worse and worse and worse. Teach you, okay, King James isn't really the best version. You don't need that one. The, the, the newer, the better. Get yoked up with the government with your 501c3 corporate status. Be hip. Be seeker-friendly. Do all this stuff if you want to build a church. So they're teaching them philosophy. Beware lest any man. I, I, I would contend that most pastors get ruined with philosophy in the seminaries. Any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men. Well, what would the tradition of men be? Well, because of the tradition of men, you've made the word of God of none effect. The Bible says that. The tradition of God of men makes the word of God of none effect. The tradition of men typically always leans toward some type of works-based salvation, potentially, or something that is accepted by man, but is not that that is not accepted by God. So you gotta be real careful of that. After the tradition of men, after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. Isaiah sixty six, verse three and four. Yea, they have chosen their own ways. Like Furtick, like Merritt, like this Rob Bell. They have chosen their own ways, and their soul delighteth in their abominations. You can tell how cocky and how proud this fertile guy is to go up there in, in, in having the seeming audacity to rebuke Bible-believing Christians. Why? Because his soul delighteth in his abominations. Okay? You can see it all over him. I also will choose their delusions. See, God's choosing their delusions. Okay? And will bring their fears upon them at the, at the appropriate time. Remember, judgment, judgment must begin at the house of the Lord. Because when I called, none did answer. Do you think if God called Furtick, he's going to answer? He's not even going to know God's voice. He knows his father Satan's voice. I'm not saying God couldn't get a hold of him. I'm not saying God couldn't intervene in his life and get a hold of him. I hope that's what happens to him. But up until this point, he hasn't. Because when I called, I'm not saying he hasn't called Furtick in the past. Genuinely. But he rejected God. And he probably did it over and over. What happens when you reject God over and over? Eventually you're turned over to a reprobate mind. Eventually you will have your conscience seared with a hot iron if you reject God over and over and over. Those are New Testament concepts. Okay? When I called, none did answer. And when I spake, they did not hear. But they did evil before mine eyes and chose that which I delighted not. See, that's what they're doing in God's eyes. Now, when it says, when God says, they have chosen their own ways and their soul delighteth in their abominations, I will choose their delusions. What, what part of the New Testament does that kind of ring a bell on? Let's go to it right now. Okay, so what it reminded me of was 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, which I've already talked quite a bit about. Now, this is the time of the falling away of the church. Okay, um... And let's just kind of go over that a little bit. Um, Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, meaning the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, except there come a falling away first, that word's translated from the word apostia or apostasy, the, the falling away of the church, 
and the man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Okay? So, Jesus Christ cannot biblically come back until there's a falling away of the church and the man of sin be revealed. Now, whether you're pre-trib, post-trib, or mid-trib, that has to happen first. Okay? And um, just, just to let you know that. Okay, so this is the time that we're in reference to. Okay, then it talks about the wicked being revealed, the wicked capital W, meaning the Antichrist, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. What we just talked about earlier. Okay, and in all, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Why? Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. See, if you go to a church like this, where you've got Furtick as your pastor, or some other lunatic, okay, you're showing God that you're not going to receive the love of the truth, but you're going to have pleasure in unrighteousness. That's what you're basically communicating to God. Now, I'm not saying God can't pull you out of that. I'm not saying God can't deliver you from that. But I'm saying you go in there and you're perfectly content with what you're hearing. You're perfectly content with the message you just heard from that Furtick guy. There's no red flags going up at all. Okay? Unfortunately, you're not going to get saved. You're not going to have even the opportunity to get saved because you have no love for the truth. Okay? You're not going to get the truth in these churches. Okay? And then what happens? And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. What did I just say over here? It says, when you choose your own ways and your soul delighteth in your, in your abominations, the Bible says, God says in Isaiah 66, verse 3 and 4, that I will choose their delusions and bring their fears upon them. So see, God does. It gets to a point in society where God will do this. You can't blame it. You mean, God's doing it. He's letting this happen. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion which is where we're at right now, and this is a big reason why the church is in such apostasy, that they should believe a lie, that they might all be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. So, I'm just trying to prove my point biblically over and over and over again here, regarding the subject. Okay, so, Taylor wanted me to clarify something. If, if, Somebody that is really seeking truth were to go to a church like Furtick. Hey, this was my position when I first became a Christian. I mean, I was I went to a Lutheran middle school, Catholic high school, was grew up in the most secular based family. Mom was into high level yoga. I mean, parents were party animals, you know, brought up as secular as you could be, then went off to college did all the partying, you know, never identified myself as a Christian, finally got saved, but saved kind of through the Pentecostal, the guy that led me to the Lord, heavy-duty Pentecostal, went into that, really heavy-duty, and yet God still brought me through all of that. And I, I don't think that I wasn't saved, but I never, ever ended up staying there permanently. There were always the Holy Spirit brought me out of it eventually. So I'm not condemning every person there that would be going there and maybe is in that transitional process. Maybe God's showing them this for a later date to say, okay, remember, hearken back to those days when you really were deceived? Now, 
I'm going to bring you out of this. But you'll always have that as a memory so that you know not to get trapped into that again. It's a big reason why this ministry exists. So that people don't fall into that trap. Because I've been there, done it. So I'm not condemning it, people that are, are in, let's say, that transitional phase. God has everybody at different uh, parts, or at different spots in their in their salvation process. Um, and he can he can deliver you and is more than capable of delivering you. Okay? So I just wanted to, to clarify that. I'm not condemning every person that that is in this movement. Okay? And I do believe that God will help them. And I know I've got a lot of emails from listeners that said, I was wrapped up in this, and I was wrapped up in this, and then God led me to one of your teachings, and I got out of it. Well, that's the way it works. The way it works for me. <laughs> and again, that's why I'm here, to help people do that. And then let's look at Jude 3 and 4. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. That's what I'm trying to do today. I'm trying to contend for the faith that was once delivered to the faith because of people like this guy. Furtick and Rob Bell and Rick Warren and all of these other devils out there preaching a false gospel. Okay? Who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men turning the grace of our Lord God into lasciviousness. This would be a great example of somebody like this Furtick guy or Rob Bell. They're turning the grace of the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and the Lord Jesus Christ. They're denying them through their false doctrine, through their false gospel. So when it says turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness, what does that mean? Lasciviousness means unbridled lust, excess, wantonness, outrageousness, shamelessness. This guy is all of those things. I mean, obviously, I don't know what, you know, on, on the lust part, but there's things you can lust after. It doesn't necessarily have to be sexual, okay? But I'm just saying, outrageousness, wantonness, excess, shamelessness, insolence, all of that is exemplified in that video clip. Licentiousness um, is also an attribute of lasciviousness. What does licentiousness mean? It means excessive indulgence of liberty. Now, the Bible says, are we to use our liberty in Christ, our grace and liberty in Christ for an occasion of the flesh? God forbid. So we're not, just because we're saved by grace through faith and it is not of ourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, just because that verse is there, does not give us a right to go around and use our liberty in Christ for an occasion to the flesh. Okay, that would be licentiousness. Excessive indulgence in liberty. Contempt of the just restraints of morality and decorum. This is what we're talking about here. These are, these are defined primarily through the Webster's 1828 Dictionary. That, no Webster 1828 Dictionary, that define the King James words more accurately than a modern-day dictionary, so that we can kind of have this, okay, this is what they actually mean. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and end this second part now, and we were going to go to the third and final part uh, next. So God bless you, and we'll see you in part three. Oh, actually, the third, it might be a third and fourth part, because um, i got a long way to go.